0: Welcome, Reanimated fans, to this week's episode of Reanimated. I'm H.A. Conrad, coming to you from Brooklyn, and joining me is my intrepid co-host, Stuart Tiffin. Hey, Stuart.
1: G'day. How's it going?
0: It's going all right. I definitely need more coffee, so you'll hear me doing that. (laughs) Maybe I should just, like, mainlight it into my system today. Um, But uh, today, you know, we're going to talk about a couple little a little tidbits of news items and then we're going to uh recap summarize review resident evil welcome to raccoon city which is you know essentially a reboot of the first two or a combo of the first two resident evil games um so this is basically like a complete clean slate um of the the resident evil franchise uh, and we will get to that pretty quickly, I would say, because there isn't that all that much to talk about in terms of news. Yeah. A um, couple of little things. But um, but anyway, do you want to kick it off, Stuart?
1: Well, with with great delight, although the story is nothing, nothing delightful to it. This is um, a headline that people might have seen this week floating around that Bobby Kirkman and a few others are trying to sue AMC yet again. Uh, for like the timing of when their deals were made based on the alleged popularity of the walking dead TV show. Uh,
0: This strikes me as more of a lawyer's tactic basically. And, you know, they, they obviously had come to some kind of an agreement and settlement. And so this seems more of a continuation or, you know, to try to like, and so who knows what happens behind the scenes, but, you know, my guess is that that AMC is uh Trying to keep hold on to as much as they can, and that's normal. This is like a lawyer's game at this point, in my opinion, like just it, how it's yeah. going. I think this is just them sort of exhausting every effort. Um, though they must feel like there is some merit to it. Um,
1: especially the, since anytime one of these articles appears, everybody kind of looks dirtier.
0: Yeah, it doesn't look good for anybody. So, like
1: anybody getting named here. I mean, AMC, they don't care. They're a nameless corporation, right? They can get away with it. But then like all the plaintiffs, is it plaintiffs or appellants or I don't know what they are, but like, it's not just Bob Robert Kirkman. It's also Gail Ann Hurd and Glenn Mazzara, as well as two other guys, David Alpert yeah. and Charles oh, Egley. And the those whole two, those two like were, were big time producers on the show and showrunner, like Glenn Mazzara was the showrunner before, um, what's his name came came along, our, our story overlord, Gimple.
0: Yeah, so they're, I mean, they're basically looking for amending. Uh, amended claims for for breach of the um, you know the the breach of the implied covenant of good faith and fair dealing and tortious interference, and this is basically, um, you know, tr- basically saying that AMC was was waiting to see how popular the show would be, and then they would define the limit the limit of the payouts for the people who were um, profit participants, and then you know, and then there is other another claim so this is really an amended um claim on the other thing um and you know it feels like i agree with you it doesn't feel good and it this just happened in 2020 and i thought it was pretty definitive in terms of what had been ruled but i mean i you know i don't know how you then ask them to like basically reinterpret everything that happened again but you know this is um We'll have to see what happens. I mean, it's, uh, and I will say that, um, you know, Gibson Dunn, um, who is the the firm representing A- or M- MAGR of essentially AMC is basically, you know, that's not gonna fly. And I can I don't know. I, I think it's interesting to see what will happen, but I would be very surprised if anything happened in fa- in favor of Kirkman and these other people. Mm-hmm. um so it just seems really strange because there was like um you know it, it just feels weird I don't know what. what's your take on it
1: yeah I you know I think I've said everything I want to say about it which is that it's It just at this point doesn't make anybody look better and I you know I guess the the people going out for the extra payout feel that it's really important and and i feel like robert kirkman's probably okay at this point i don't know about the other people on that list and maybe his name is just like an anchor i don't know
0: well i mean the only thing i could see is that they are looking for this to maybe um have some precedent for other types of things that might come down the line but mm-hmm. i don't know it's pretty it, this seems kind of weird but whatever we'll see what happens with it um Next up is uh actually HA uh, on
1: the uh, on the Walking Dead front. Um I just remembered that I'd seen something. I just put it in our show notes.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Uh look at this the headline. Um
0: Oh yeah, Tyrese yeah. Tyrese
1: maybe the walking in the Walking Dead the, the tales of the Walking Dead debut as uh-huh. reprising his role of of uh, well sorry, Chad Coleman would be reprising his role. As Tyrese. I don't know how solid this is yet. I think maybe they saw his name on a um in the production side.
0: Well, you know, maybe if they're going to do a backstory or you know that kind of flashback um, to set the table for something, I could see that happening. But it would be nice to see him back again. I loved him, so that would be a cool thing. Um,
1: Chad Coleman's and- gone on to do a few, one really good role in The Expanse, at least, which I'm still getting over that show having ended a couple weeks ago. Um, and yeah, I, he's awesome. I'd love to see yeah. him do a little more, uh, Tyrese. Yeah, I would-
0: I would like to see more Tyrese, um, but, you know. It's also been how many years since his character died? I know, I know. So that's going to be interesting. Um, But um, and then we can, you know, the trailer for the final season of um, part two of three of The Walking Dead um, has has finally uh, it's out there. So uh, did you get to watch it, Stuart?
1: Yeah, I've watched it. And there's a lot to. like try to figure out the chronology and how they're, yeah. if they're doing spe- special editing, but some things are very clear, which is that um, Daryl at least and Maggie are in the Commonwealth during scenes yep. of this show. And I think that was my main takeaway and that the Commonwealth was at Alexandria, but yep. I wasn't sure if they went inside or not. Uh, but yeah, it looks, looks like there's definitely some big moving parts.
0: Yep. And so I'm psyched. I'm psyched for that to to start up again Um, and definitely well worth watching if you're a Walking Dead fan um, just to get excited about the next round. Um, And And then
1: there was a one shot of Daryl trying to talk sense into the Reapers again. And I'm just like, good luck.
0: I know. It's like, oh, Daryl, this is just not not going to work. But and then lastly is actually just a small little item. I'd actually not heard of this show. Um, This is the first I've heard of it. But there is um, a show on Netflix called Raising Dion. And it's it seems almost um, a little it's like a little YA. It feels a little heroes to me. um, But apparently the season two of Raising Dion is going to have zombies in it. Um, So, uh, you know, I might check it out. It, It doesn't necessarily completely speak to me, but I'm always willing to give something a chance. I like superheroes. I like zombies. It's all good.
1: Yep. These are zombies raised by some sort of kid warlock though. So Mm -hmm. you might not love that element of it, but
0: yeah, yeah, I've
1: never watched the show either, which I've, I've always been a little bit ashamed that I, you know, this is probably prestige TV that I haven't found time in my calendar to watch, but I do watch a lot of stuff. So, but yeah, I think, I think I'm, this makes, this makes me perk my ears up a little bit too.
0: Yeah. So maybe we'll check it out. See, see, see what's what. Um, and then that, that's kind of it for the news for today. Uh, but we are going to jump right into our review of Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City. Um, yeah. I will say at the outset, it's got a pretty decent cast. Um, there's some really great people in this that, um, you know, I like it's interesting, but I didn't actually completely recognize the the main, um, the, uh, the star who plays uh, Claire Redfield. Uh, I, uh,
1: but- Scotellario?
0: But then I read, you know, doing when we were doing research for the show, I realized that I did recognize her, but it's just been a long time. But she was in that show Skins, which is like a UK um, teen show. And she was like one of the original characters. And I said, oh, OK, I'm sort of I'm like really happy to see her out there. Um, I'd, but-
1: I'd never seen that show. And I know that's that's the role that got her this part, I guess, according to yeah. the, uh, the X-ray she, um but she then she was in every maze runner movie which i've seen them all i think but i don't remember i mean I, I that was a movie that i definitely watched like in a second screen environment I was not that invested in it
0: um yeah i i didn't see any of those i read the book i just never watched it um but um but i was psyched to see her in this she was really great in that show and um, so that that's kind of you know, that was exciting to realize that I did actually know her. Um, then we have um um Hannah John Kamen as Jill Valentine.
1: I have a major crush on this woman. She is so beautiful. And like she, okay, so she first came onto my radar in Killjoys, which was like a sci-fi channel show, question mark, uh, which was about like space bounty hunters. And she did a lot, there was a lot of stunts around her character. Her character was like the badass of the cast. And um, another person on that cast was uh, Johnny Ice from X-Men. I forget that guy's name, but he's been, anytime yeah. I see him, I only think of X-Men and he was the ice guy who tried to get with um, Rogue.
0: Oh, okay. Um, and he, she's also, she was also in Game of Thrones, Ray Player One, um, Ant-Man and and the Wasp is what I I feel like more she's gotten more and more acclaim.
1: That was her mainstream sort of launch, I think. Yeah, and then that, she did just... I think in the UK she's more famous too. She's British, right? And she yeah, I... uh she was in The Stranger, which is like a book adaptation um that was a a prestige mini series on I think it was on Netflix last year. Hmm. Uh, and she's uh one of the leads in that too and she's actually just really good she's a great actor and and she's also quite physical so yeah she i was i was really happy to see her and she's jill valentine no uh, small one
0: is pretty awesome so um so we have her like so all over i mean this this is a pretty great cast um and then there is um you know uh the the sort of um uh robbie Arn uh Amel is chris redfield um we've also got um he's
1: i just want to run down like where i know this dude from too and where people might have seen or if they haven't they should canadian actor robbie amell was in a film called arc which is like a time loop movie which is like as you know its own subgenre of science fiction (laughs) like groundhog day but it's a really good one uh and i suggest people see it it's arc with a q Uh, And then he was in a film called Code 8, which is about people with superpowers. It's also like a sci-fi with superpower film. Uh, And and there's another one of those coming out soon. Uh, And that movie also was really good. And I think he does. There isn't a a huge amount of range expected from his role, but he does have some really, really cool scenes in this film. Um, So Robbie Amell as Chris Redfield was good.
0: Yeah. And I should also note that he is uh, the cousin of of Stephen Amell. Who is... Uh, who's Arrow? Um, so that's Ooh. you know. You don't know the the show Arrow, Green yeah. Arrow.
1: Oh, Green Arrow. Oh it's yeah, Green yeah. They, there Arrow. is a there's a family resemblance there.
0: Yep. So there's that. Um, then um, you know, there's just like a lot of great. They did, and I feel like they did the casting pretty well overall. Um, yeah. They- Tom
1: Hopper is one of my all time favorite younger or you know actors. Uh, who people will see him, if they've seen Black Sales, they recognize Billy Bones right away. He's just this massive dude um, who also has like a very kind face. So even though he's playing Albert Wesker, and we know from watching the other movies that Wesker, you hear that name. And this is the thing with an IP like this. You hear the name of some of these characters. You're like, oh, bad guy. But yep. he actually plays it, I think, really interestingly. And he does. It, yeah. So Tom Hopper is also the giant like gorilla dude from Umbrella. Um, Academy. yeah. So you'll, you might uh, know him from there too. And then yeah. Donald Logan, Neil McDonough, who have just done a million things. Uh, and Neil McDonough also seems to be getting typecast in this stage of his career as an evil bad guy. Like yeah. he's, he, I think I'm, I'm trying to remember, I don't know his entire catalog, but like band of brothers might be the only role he ever did that wasn't evil in a way. Yeah. Poor, poor guy. And Donald um, Logue um, has been in a million things, but I first remember him from Dow of Steve and yes, then Blade.
0: Yes. Yep. Yep. And he's, I don't know, he, he just is fun and he definitely had fun with this role. So I really enjoyed that. Um, People
1: who really lean into the police lieutenant, angry police lieutenant role is always just a good time. It's like an inside joke.
0: And then there's also uh, Avin uh, uh, jo- Jogia. Um, I I don't know if I'm saying the last name correctly, apologies, Um, but I remember him from Caprica. I don't know if you ever watched that, but he was really awesome in that. Um, And he's been in a bunch of like, you know, he's a Canadian actor. So he's been in a lot of like those kinds of shows. Um, I would, you know, he was also in... um, uh, Zombieland, land, double tap and a few other things. but um, this is definitely you know, I thought he was a lot like really great in this too. His, <laughs> yeah would...
1: his character has a weird it's not even an arc really is it? It's like a, a jagged sort of spiky graph.
0: Yeah um, and he has he definitely was present during a couple of my favorite scenes uh, one specific favorite scene. Yeah um, He might have I... the
1: only he might have the, the honor of being the only laugh out loud joke deliverer in this movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I really, I really liked him and I'd like to see him in even more. Um, so like he, he, he was a lot of fun. Um, and then um, we've got a couple of other people, uh, one who I want to um, call out because it freaked me the heck out, um, which I'm sure you already Probably were aware of, but uh, and the character itself freaks me out. Freaks <laughs> me out in the games freaks or freaks me out everywhere. Uh, the character of Lisa Trevor uh, is played by uh, Marina Mazeppa, and she is a contortionist um, who is, you know, just. I feel like contortionists are have a creepy <laughs> to them anyway. But in this particular role, it was really, really messed up. Uh, so she did an incredible job in that particular role. Uh, um, yeah, that role freaked me out beyond belief. Let's talk about that when we get into our, our you know, our uh, review. Is there anybody else you wanted to talk about specific? just
1: in terms of behind the camera? This ended up being all written and directed by one person, Johannes Roberts. Um, but originally, there was going to be, um, who was it, James Wan and Greg Russo. They both left to go do Mortal Kombat, which came out last year. Uh, and then so Johannes Roberts just took over and wrote and directed it. And like, I don't know, that, to, to me, that, that is like a warning sign, uh, you know, when you see that kind of those sorts of shifts happening in a project. But I'm not going to uh, dance around this anymore. I thought this was a really effective movie. And I think it's way better than the. I'm going to say something that might make you angry, not UHA, but other people. Way better than the Mia Jovovich version of this. Oh, film.
0: I think they did an amazing job with this. Um, I think from a like the goal here, the director had talked a lot about how they wanted to return to the roots of the game, the show, like to make it more fun and a call out to those things. And I do think they did that. And did it in a way that made sense. Um, and I was definitely impressed with the, the camera work, um, the special effects. I, I thought that they did a pretty great, good job on this. Um, and there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about as it relates to that, as we kind of go down our, our rabbit hole of, of reviewing. Um, I would do want to mention one more person that's in this because I love her in the expanse, but Lily Gao is in this for a brief after credit scene or, post mm-hmm. credit scene um and she plays uh Ada Wong. Um but she's I was actually I had seen that she was going to be in this and I was like and then I kept waiting for her to appear and yeah. she didn't um until the very end. So I'm I'm assuming that if there is a sequel she will be in it. Um but anyway just I, I hope I hope so because I think she's awesome. Um, but yeah.
1: Oh I, um, I guess it probably does bear I'm not a huge Letterkenny fan, but there is um, Nathan Dales who plays one of those two um, kind of doofuses on uh, Letterkenny is, is, is their helicopter pilot, Brad Vickers oh, okay. in, in this yep. movie too. So he probably does bear mentioning um, down there, but like, come on, we've, we we do not usually, we don't often talk about casts in this great amount of detail. This is a really stellar cast and yep. um, it, the, yeah, it's, it's all swinging for the fences uh, from that perspective. Like when I, and I hadn't read much about this movie before we sat down to watch it. And because um, I'm like, I've seen it, you know, like I've seen it a bunch of times. Uh, but then you go into that diner scene fairly early in the film. And I'm like, oh, wait, yeah. oh, he's it? Oh, wait, she's here. Wait, what? So, yeah. Yeah, I, that was definitely like a pretty excited, uh, exciting moment for me to realize who I was going to be watching for the next couple hours. So that was great. Yep. So um, um, I think one of my biggest takeaways from the beginning of this film, not even the beginning, like the first, I don't know, of it is Mm -hmm. how unsettling and intense and terrifying it was for me.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I will say that I started watching this like I was like, oh, I'm going to get a jump on this. And I started watching this uh, a couple of evenings ago and uh, had to actually stop because I was like, I can't I, I need to watch this in the morning because it's freaking me out a little too much and I'm probably going to have really bad dreams. Um, so I, in fact, waited to the next day to watch it. Um, I will say there, you know, the buttons that I have that, that get pushed are, you know, freaky little children
1: Uh that are
0: like, you know, either demonic or something's happened to them, zombie little children. And this, um, not this is definitely the the Lisa you know the Lisa Trevor thing mm-hmm. just and even honestly even the setting where they're in the orphanage like really just started to to you know to get me really wound oh, yeah. up and freaked out and so I I did I put a pause and then I watched the rest of the next day but um there is a lot of like they do a great job at this film at tension building and then you know, you get to like have a moment to breathe, and then tension building, and then you get like they do a great job with the timing of this. Well, um, I would I,
1: okay, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like after the halfway point of the film, when the action, when the shooting kind of starts, then you do get those moments to breathe because while there's shooting going on, you're kind of you're not yeah, quite yeah, as yeah. nervous as when you're waiting. I for feel the like they lose
0: a little bit of this this rhythm, this pattern um, when they hit that point. Yeah, um, but, but that's
1: kind of this this game was a I mean yeah, yeah okay so but the first 20 something minutes of this movie it's just all that crawling dread and it's yeah, just totally. nonstop um, uh, it's really it's, it's kind of like how did they even manage <laughs> to keep up that level it was so much and 20 minutes is a long time to be uh-huh. like going oh is that a woman standing in that forest yep. what and they the-?
0: just keep hitting you with it it's uh, like so they have the, 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 you know, my favorite weird, you know, orphanage scene. And they, they really set the table for this extraordinarily well. It's already creepy, even from like the opener. It's oh, yeah. creepy. Um, the lighting is like super, like you can't see in all the corners. It's like this sort of dormitory of kids. Um, you know, you've got a little freaky, you know, mutant like thing. Touchy, touchy, touchy. Like, not, it, not
1: to be confused with itchy, tasty.
0: No, but that also. But um, you <laughs> that know, too, Yeah, yeah, uh, but
1: yeah. Lisa Trevor is a really is a really interesting treatment because, yes, objectively terrifying looking character, but also a good guy. Like like later i mean we well, don't at really
0: declare she's a good guy so you yeah, know exactly
1: she's I think, she,
0: I think if she ran into the good doctor less of a good guy for him obviously Probably. i mean
1: her in her file it, there's a nice stamp that says dangerous
0: right we get um, to see
1: later on but yeah what well, an amazing you know, um, character design too like what great uh right so so everything.
0: just for those who don't know anything about her at least in like her backstory with the game um is that she gets um she and her parents um her dad is the one who actually designs all the sort of tunnels and crazy um like like secret rooms and all this stuff with umbrella corporation and then they get invited to the mansion and are experimented upon and She her parents both die. I think I I know at least her mom dies, but they experiment her with on her with the virus and her goal in the game. Like she's always looking for her mom and they'll send people looking like her mom to kind of placate her. And so she kills those people and puts their faces on her. (laughs) <laughs> and she's like because of the mutation of the virus she is basically indestructible so um as far as the game goes you can kind of like pause her like you can put her down for a minute or two but i don't think you can actually kill her um and so that's that's sort of like um it's one of the few characters i know a lot about maybe because it was so freaky um and full disclosure, I have not played this game that much and I am not a gamer, um, but I did. This is like the character that kind of stopped me wanting to play the game.
1: <laughs> um,
0: so so like that's when she made the appearance. I'm like, not Lisa Trevor.
1: <laughs> Such a benign um, name, too. Oh, oh, your name is Lisa Trevor. OK, cool.
0: Yeah, uh, but the makeup on her and the way that this uh, actor um place her in terms of movement um it it is incredibly unsettling yeah um and really you know i thought so this is like the beginning scene pretty much of the movie um and you know you have this other kid who's young claire redfield seeing this thing and nobody else sees lisa trevor and it's like completely disturbing um, I don't know. Were you as disturbed as I was by this? It's, it's I probably have even more so
1: incredibly it. disturbing. It's inc- it's incredibly disturbing when Lisa Trevor's in her bed. Yep. Uh, and then it's incredibly disturbing when she goes upstairs and finds her in that weird little tent. Uh, uh, also, it Lisa stop. Trevor
0: has some really disturbing uh, toys. I mean, <laughs> those are not normal toys for kids no. to have. And I mean, I know she's special, but those toys are disturbing. I don't who's buying those toys. Um, <laughs> yeah
1: that's just... <laughs> yeah everything about the orphanage is creepy and they come back to that location later which i think was a is a good thing and i i might be saying stuff The people who are really familiar with the, the story of the game will be like yeah duh that was in the game i yeah. i actually had I don't think I've ever played the entire game from start to finish. I remember dying a lot in the mansion, uh, because in the game, yeah, famously always you always you go in there and you have like six bullets too, and you're just like, oh, I can't do anything wrong. Yep. Um, they had more than six bullets in this film, but uh it was still this, the mansion scenes were were really good in this film too.
0: They set it up like as this ominous thing, really right from the beginning. And you know, you we're we're teasing, but Neil McDonough has really like I saw him and I'm like, ah, I can't imagine who he might be playing. (laughs) Like it was pretty, um, I don't know. I like him a lot, but he's definitely making this reputation as a baddie. Right. Yeah.
1: That's the thing, man. Like he hasn't done, uh, he hasn't done a good guy turn in a minute. Um, Yeah. well, I'm sure he's fine inside, you know, everybody, we need villains. So uh, I mean, Donald Logue isn't exactly playing a good guy either. And he hasn't in a while because his last turn that I saw on Sons of Anarchy, he was like a, I feel like he was like a Coke sniffing, as yeah. Marshall or something. Um, But yeah, so they've set the tone and then some, because like I said, 20 minutes in, you're still like going into Chris Redfield's house and meeting, seeing those weird neighbors through the window. <laughs> oh my yep. gosh. Uh, yeah. And then like, I think things only st- start to chill out in in like interstitial scenes where you've got like the stars team are having a, a lighthearted conversation at the police yep. station and yet i think claire is already fighting zombie people out in the streets or in, in Chris's house, if not right before this, right after it.
0: Yeah. But even before it, like Claire making her re entrance into Raccoon City.
1: Oh, yeah. In the trucker
0: with the trucker. I mean, that whole scene was fantastic Um, where they, you know, basically you get to see already like that. Probably Raccoon City isn't a place anybody should be going. And he's kind of telling her that while he's trying to feel her up in the car um and then they do the great you know the call the doberman which i think you know we all um and and the trucker is a part of the game too i think um so that's you know i feel like they really did a great job at at doing like lots of easter eggs and call outs to this stuff from the get-go and just getting the it's just all starts um ramping up really quickly Also in that trucker
1: scene, get to see some zombie behavior that is kind of interesting uh, because the woman who they hit gets up, clearly reanimates as a zombie, but then just walks away, but also stops and then is staring at them from the trees because that's horrifying. Uh, And then Dooley kind of does a little something similar later in the in the mansion. Um, So there is a bit of a like tactical sense to some of these zombies anyway. Um, They are they're a little different because some of them actually speak too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, very creepy. Everything about this, it's like designed to be as creepy as possible. Um, we go into Emma's diner and meet some of the uh, the cops, I guess. Uh, there was also like an introductory crawl that said like everybody, you know, umbrella leaving town. There's only a skeleton crew of staff and people too poor to leave. Um, and, and then we start to meet the, the stars team Mm-hmm. as well as a couple of Raccoon City PD. And um, and we meet Leon. And Leon is a sad sack and is kind of useless for the first, I don't know, half of the film.
0: Well, I kind of like how they intro him. He's all like half asleep in his bed. He goes to the diner and they're like, hey, did you get in trouble for being like a loser? And he's like, no, not really. Well, maybe a little. And, you know, they're, they're, he's basically this... um. Like punching bag for a lot of the other people, but specifically for Donald Logue's character, yeah. Um, and he's kind of being punished for whatever thing he had done. So he shot done
1: his partner in the back, is what they all think that's he seems- what they're
0: implying. He's saying that that's not what happened, but I think we can agree probably that did happen. Um,
1: there's a and- strong thread of, Oh, I guess you're wondering what I'm doing as a cop, sort of stuff, like, Oh, I'm really fish out of water, uh, you know, I shouldn't be here. I'm not, this isn't the job for me. And I'm really sleepy. And then suddenly it like turns on a dime later on in the movie. Hey, and I, hey. I did feel like his character maybe could have used a little more work than, more yeah, than, you, cause it wasn't just, it wasn't just his fellow employees or fellow cops who thought he was a loser by the, by the midpoint. When he like is sleeping through the truck crash. Which thing.
0: was the funniest thing ever. <laughs>
1: I don't care. I, I didn't think of that as a funny moment so much as uh, well, Leon deserves to die. But I know that Leon's also one of these characters who is a major character in this in the franchise. So I was like, well, he's probably not. So it was it was a little bit
0: well, like... it was interesting. Like I thought they were gonna go there, do a little bit more with him when Donald Logue is interacting with him, and that is a great scene. <laughs> um, and it's after the the tanker basically explodes while he's sleeping and he wakes up to see the um, the zombie driver a flame and, and into the station. Um Donald Loges' reactions are amazing cuz he's just like, "All right, so uh I'm going to get out of here now and <laughs> you're in charge." And um he really he he's an incredible actor and I just think um he's really <laughs> he's really like plays the corrupt kind of police chief really well here and Um, He gives a little bit of of background here about um, Leon, which is that um, he's a screw up. And basically they kind of had to take him because his dad wanted him to do this. Um, And so, you know, it gives you a little bit of that. But I agree with you. I think they could have done a lot more to develop that and to give him maybe more of a redemptive story arc somehow.
1: Yeah, because Um, he suddenly just starts redeeming himself really fast. Like later on when him and Claire are down in the basement. Um, but there's nothing to show that he has any of those skills early on, I guess.
0: Right. Um, so, but I did like him. I thought he he was it, the, the one of my favorite scenes is the one between him and and Donalogue, um, where Donalogue is is basically um, abandoning the station and just saving his own butt. Which at that point, like, is there anything really in that box that you need? I don't know <laughs> what
1: is in his box. What's yeah. in
0: that box? Um, uh, well, I but... mean,
1: I think in the game chief irons is supposed to be like um hiding evidence or he's Um, working like in the it's in the second game and that's what's interesting here is they have blended the first two like the first game i think almost entirely takes place at spencer mansion i believe and the second game is more out in raccoon city and so by combining those two storylines you get your your police station siege and you get your spencer mansion stuff and so i think that was actually pretty effective um for the film too and and like that also introduces yeah irons leon and claire who were not in the first game i believe right
0: right um so yeah so like and i do like how they have the two different teams so they have the two sort of groups of people groups of survivors and then they eventually bring them together and i thought that they did a good job at um juggling between the two they do a good job when um like chief irons is trying to get out of the city and then making it it makes sense when he comes back um (laughs) i thought that that you know again i think that their their sort of horror film tactics worked really well um the scene in the garage when he's getting um like i i will say that they they get an a plus for weird and creepy sounds like (laughs) overall like like building that tension like both the sounds of uh, the zombies, the liquor, uh, the dog, um, all incredibly creepy. Um, so like, I, I thought that the tension that they built here and all the things that you can't see, they do the really good job of having whatever it is that's, um, of threat in the shadows. And that is incredibly effective, or at least it was for me. It was, I was like, Oh, this is, I know it's probably the dog, but it's freaking me out anyway. <laughs> you I know? did
1: not know it was the dog until uh, the dog was there. I guess, yeah, because the noises it was making were so slurpy. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty. It was something else. Um, and, you know, Claire saves the day in that scene. And I thought that was a little cheap because you don't. It, It's one of those things like we complained about this in the last uh, part of The Walking Dead where Negan saves uh, Maggie in that mall. He just he's there all of a sudden. Right. He's just suddenly he's there. Claire just suddenly is there and killing the dog with a fire extinguisher. And that's another scene where Leon does not like serve up anything worthwhile. He comes out after she's saved Chief Irons with the fire extinguisher is like, stop where you are. Drop your weapon or drop your gun. And she's like, moron. I don't have a. Gun.
0: Yeah, and I actually thought that they were gonna have him do that, given his last scene with the chief, and that mm-hmm. would have been kind of funny. But I guess they have to establish something between her and.
1: They, you know, yeah, I he just, has to have a reason to let her in, right? Because he's right. pretty—he uh, doesn't trust people.
0: Right. Um. But. And that was other, funny when
1: Leon's like, "Oh, does this mean you're in charge again, sir?"
0: Yep. <laughs>
1: that was um, that was a good one.
0: It was pretty good. Um, and I also, I, you know, the the effects, um of the, you know, when you're seeing the the residents of the town and Claire's st- sticking at her brother's house, I will say like when you have like creepy little kids crawling under the table and you have people, you know, outside your window saying putting weird, creepy things on like in blood on the, the glass. The fact that she's like just kind of hanging out in the house is weird to me. Like I'd be like, I got it. I think I'm going to Get out of here as quickly as I can. I, I
1: think she get. I don't know that she was uh, had a good reason to leave until the itchy, tasty lady broke through the window, honestly. And the boy broke through the front door. Like, honestly, Chris Redfield's house, total security nightmare. Like she said, yep. uh, the, like the boy could just walk through the front door. Insane. Yep. Um, but yeah, like until that happened, she had no reason to leave that house right away. You know, like, I don't
0: know. Itchy, tasty woman freaked me out. Those uh-huh. two,
1: like the fact that the little boy's just under the table, not looking at her and saying, and she's like, do you need help? And he goes, you need help.
0: Yeah, and I then, know. It's like, huh, okay. Oh,
1: man. Uh, it was, uh, yeah. She manages to get away on the bike and has a brief interaction with Birkin and his family uh, in the road that like leads to another flashback. They did drag out some of those orphanage flashbacks a little bit. Or at yeah, least- it
0: was a little too much, I thought um
1: they never really even like they just show her uh, and like it's kind of anticlimactic because yeah they do try to take her out of her bed and they're putting her somewhere which we don't i mean maybe it's there she's supposed to be going into that elevator to go down to the basement when she breaks out and um runs away Uh, but i don't know i kind of wanted a little more more action or something there to i
0: i kept waiting for a little bit more um like, uh, just not background, but a little bit more sort of enlightenment about what had actually happened to her, what she had seen. I didn't, when it was just that she ran away and I mean, how is a kid that age going to survive out there? I don't know. Um, but that seemed, and she does manage to give the slip to like six adults in a, what seems to be a pretty shut down orphanage Yeah, really easily. But, um, I thought they were I thought she was going to see more than she did or something, but that didn't happen. She just kind of
1: pieces it all together in in the present day. And then, yeah, I would have liked to have seen a little more like she tries to go back for her brother, but can't. Or and then she has to break a window or something to get out and climb a wall because, yeah, everything would have been locked there. Right. Uh,
0: But it does seem I mean, look, it makes sense in the way that they focus on the orphanage, that that becomes this sort of way into uh, the mansion and. Um, so I, I liked that tie in and I, and I, obviously it it brings her back to that route and it gives the two different, um, groups of, of survivors sort of their own time to, to kind of do things. And then of course it's, you know, it's a really great set and it does feel very like video game. Like it feels like the game that, that they have to kind of get through these things to get, um, to get out of Raccoon City. So that was kind of cool. Um, and I do, you know, obviously I think the Lisa Trevor scenes are incredibly successful because even when she's being a friend, she Oof. is still super creepy. And the way she know, takes oh, out
1: that um, tongue dog.
0: Yeah. The liquor. Uh, which. Yeah. yeah. Of... Those scenes are terrifying. Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, we and we're very familiar with the, those visuals because they basically look for the most part like the ones from the last films. Um, yep. But we haven't seen Lisa Trevor kill one with her bare
0: feet. No That is That is and then her else. hands are in this block, like uh it's like she's in these like manacles and it's like a wooden block. Yeah. It's very, very upsetting. Um everything about her character is disturbing to me <laughs> and just really uh uh, uh can't even um
1: in, in the Spencer mansion uh the team kind of predictably gets uh chopped up like the, the helicopter pilot gets uh doing aliens on him
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and richard uh also goes out he was a, clearly a red shirt and yep. did not have enough rounds in his shotgun to for this job
0: yeah
1: um but then there's l- kind of later on there's this amazing scene um well they kept uh, doing these little um uh, title ce- title scenes of like what time it was right because also yep. we understand now that racking city is going to explode at 6 a.m Uh, So they are kind of letting us know how much time is left. Um, They they start the shootout with Chris and Richard around 2 a.m. in the mansion, Mm -hmm. um, which Wesker and Jill Valentine cannot hear at all, which I think is insane. How big is this place? But apparently it's just that big. Uh, and then there's, you know, yeah, Richard dies. Chris is like shooting his way out, and then two and a half hours later, there's enough, <laughs> they go back to him, and he's still shooting out zombies and um and like trying to find his way to the mansion. I thought that was kind of insane. Uh, and then like at that four four thirty ish time frame is a really cool set of shots, only illuminated by his muzzle flash. Oh, I mean, yes. Later, the muz- the the lighter comes in too, but also there's just like uh, a bunch of shots of him shooting at zombies, and oh, yeah. all you can, all you can see is the flash of the the muzzle. Going
0: yeah, off. Um, I think that that was the the thing. The shots in the mansion, um, the fight scenes in the mansion, again were done in such a like. It was super stressful to watch, (laughs) but really well done uh, because you have these and the zombie makeup is really scary. The zombies are terrifying. Um, They did a great job. Um, They don't always follow all the rules and they're really hard to kill. And so this is, you know, and, and they reveal them or have them not revealed. And, and there's a stressy thing that happens because you just have no idea where they are or they'll disappear and they'll be like right up in your face and then gone or whatever it might be. But um, this was really a great I thought, you know, I, I did read some of the reviews of this and some people were, were giving it bad marks because it was so much in the dark. But I actually thought that this was a really well done, clever way to to terrify people. <laughs> yeah
1: um and that's like you're saying the 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 set dressing and decoration is oh, so good. faithful. and I think that's probably one of the adjectives you can use most for this fil- um, film film mm-hmm. is the faithfulness with which it it tried to get the original game vision mm-hmm. onto the big screen. and I put a, a link to an image uh, from the first game into our um chat h mm-hmm. a and uh, take a look at that. It's the foyer of the of the mansion and it's basically. I don't know how, if it's exact, but it's like 80% of the way there. It's that cream colored tile, the red carpet, the way that the stairs go up and then um, from the front door, it's just insane. No, it's great.
0: And even when they pan up, um, it's really a faithful replica. They did a fantastic job on that. That was an
1: interesting shot. I remember thinking like, okay, interesting. Yeah, They've gone with like soft focus and this angle to show you like the entire front of the house. And I wonder if that's a, shot from the game because it was it felt so precise and so specific yeah um, um that was super super interesting like i i, I don't think I, I i did not expect to enjoy the spencer mansion scenes i think when they were when they went in there i was like oh well here we go mm-hmm. but then it was actually really cool
0: yeah and i actually i loved you know the little the easter the care that they took with the little easter eggs with the um with the Lisa Trevor scene with the key and they have to open up, you know, in the elevator and that kind of thing. I thought that was really, um, if if you're into the games, this is really a lot of fun uh, to kind of catch all these things. Um, And I also loved, uh, one of the things I really loved was that, uh, you know, they're not trying to make this a modern day um, Mm -hmm. set piece. This is definitely, the 90s, I would say. It's, yeah, um, it's set in
1: 1998. They, there's a, And a they
0: script. they are faithful to that, both in like how they're dressing, but also the music. Um, And I really and the fact that uh, Whisker has the palm pilot, yep. which I think is really fantastic. It's, so. You
1: know what? Like more movies need to do this, too, because of the cell phone thing that people can't get around in storytelling these days. They yep. have to be like, oh, the cell signal is down. Otherwise, our movie doesn't work.
0: Right. Right. But I really liked that. Um, I liked what they did here. Um, and the, it just, you know, it, it was so, it was fun. I don't know. Like it, like I did see people sort of giving it a hard, you know, a lot of, a lot of critical, uh, like, I don't know, um, sort of ton lashing, but I didn't think that, I I actually really enjoyed this. I don't know. My overall view was that there are certain things that I'm like, yeah, whatever. But it's supposed to be a fun actiony thing. And it's supposed to be based on a video game and have those callbacks to the video game. And it did that. And it, it was I thought the script was pretty good, too. I mean, it's not perfect. But overall, I thought that given this cast they didn't waste the cast on this um
1: no and like let's talk a little more about tom hopper as west as albert wesker like he is uh he's like an unwilling or a um yeah, one foot in, one foot out. Trader, even though Jill totally throws him under the bus later.
0: Yeah, she does. But I mean, look, he's they've they've set the they've set all of this up in the beginning that the people that are kind of still stuck in Raccoon City are people too poor to leave, or people that are directly tied to the Umbrella Corporation, and maybe some of them are tied because they're too poor to leave. And he's looking for a way out, and he feels they. I kind of like how they don't make him this huge mustache twirly kind of villain he's somebody that is one of them but um is just tempted because he wants an out and i think that that speaks to a lot of people like if people are backed into a corner and you're given an option to get out i mean he's he's conflicted about it and he's super reluctant
1: he's super reluctant and he doesn't i mean I guess yeah, and and given like some moral quandaries later on in the movie, like when he's faced with Birkin, he's like, yeah, okay. Birkin shoots at him, he shoots at Birkin, done. The wife picks up the gun, he shoots the <laughs> wife. Okay, yeah, that's yep, yeah, pretty much. But then the kid uh, picks up the gun and he's like, I wouldn't have pulled the trigger. And I'm, yeah. you're just like, yeah, this is a, this is good. This is a human yeah. person that Jill Valentine could have been in a relationship with because yeah. other- otherwise, you're like, what? So, I thought, and then just Tom Hopper's face, man, he just has this like yeah. this like honesty in his face that I think really he uses a lot in his roles, and it it's pretty good in this in this
0: well, it's uh, an, it's effective because even though he's doing bad things, you kind I wouldn't say you give him a pass, but you feel more sympathetic towards him, um, you understand why he's backed in a corner, and um. So I thought that that was an interesting way to play it as opposed to just paint him in this completely black way mm-hmm. um in terms of like being evil or you know um and and that's a bit different than we normally see. So I was I I liked that. Um and he does play it so well. Um and I do think like he's just um You can even see it on his face, like when the when the kid picks up the gun that he's just like, oh, man, you know, I don't want to do this. (laughs) So that's and even in his desperation when he's dealing with Birkin, um, he's not like. He's not really excited to be doing what he's doing, but he feels like it's necessary, so. um, The Birkin
1: monster, it felt pretty uh, familiar to me. Yeah. Like that, that looks a lot like from the game, didn't it? Oh yeah. With the eyeballs Um, and everything.
0: I also really liked the, again, the makeup. They did a great job with his transformation. Mm -hmm. um, Both when he's sort of like the half man and uh, starting to like how he's starting to change. um, But also later when he's fully transformed and you see his like weird little empty face on there. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty, pretty awful, (laughs) but good. Um, And you know, he looks very yeah. He, it's true to the game. Like it's again, it's fun um, with a couple of modifications. Like the little dead face thing, I think might have been new, but um, but that was really great. And then um, you know, it's you you have the whole confrontation and you know, final sort of closure for um, the for for our little Redfield siblings so that's good.
1: Yeah. I would say the the it might even be like just half of the third act did start to feel a little bit like it was just okay. Yeah. Can we just wrap this up already? Um yeah no just, I felt
0: that way too. Just that's amazing. what I mean when the, the timing kind of fell down the pacing fell down a little bit. Yeah as,
1: just as just as a little act. because there's only so much like okay now we're going through this hallway and you're going to that hallway scenes that you're just like yeah all right I I mean I don't need to see all the hallways um but uh, you know, they need to like figure out a way to get these people together and they have to show, but yeah. I feel like they need to show that it takes them a while because they are, I mean, one of them is under the mansion. Which they got there by helicopter and the others never left raccoon city. Right. So, right. <laughs> they have to walk the entire way that these right. other folks flew. Um. But so that does take a minute, but then, you know, like these are iconic scenes too, with the train getting out through this under a uh, subterranean tunnel Um. And I don't know if Leon actually had a rocket launcher in the game, but the like, Leon has just gone completely, you know, 180 and is now able to slay bodies and, and deliver yeah. one-liners. And uh, honestly, his best, to me, his best joke was when they were getting in the elevator after they say goodbye to Lisa Trevor. And he's like, you got weird friends. Uh, yeah,
0: that was great. That was one of my favorite points in the entire film. <laughs> well, because like Lisa Trevor is so freaking creepy and you know, they've seen her do all this stuff with the um with the killing the liquor the way she does and then
1: But she I mean maybe she has super strength. You can yeah, you could take super has. strength away from that scene, but she doesn't seem to do anything completely supernatural. She appears and disappears quite quite easily and um, she uh, she is upside down sometimes, I guess.
0: Yeah, she's supposed to have like a lot of power because of the the effect of the virus. So she's yeah, but just in the
1: movie like itself, I don't know that she comes yeah. across as completely supernatural.
0: She doesn't. Um, but one of the things that I think is the most um, effective things that she does to enhance her creepiness is her weird little voice. Her weird mm-hmm. little vocal stylings are incredibly creepy. Yeah. Um, so even when she's saying like, Claire's my friend or Claire friend, I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> like, it's very upsetting. It's very upsetting. Um, throughout yeah, and
1: her and her fingernails, uh, her hands that in general,
0: too. that too, but also the little eye looking out through the mask of a face. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the hair really. coming
1: out the eye hole.
0: Yes. yes there's, there
1: are many things that are unsettling. I'm just like, I don't remember her doing anything that was like teleportation or shooting oh, lasers. Yeah,
0: she doesn't. She doesn't do any of that. So they kind of kept that sort of, you know, down to earth.
1: Cool. I'm glad that they kept her down to earth, because if it was much more, I would have lost it entirely. Uh, Lisa Trevor was extremely successful (laughs) in in the job that they needed her to do for me. Um, But I think that's kind of that's kind of it. They they do set it up for um, more films because by the end, Albert Wesker is with Ada Wong and he's like, he's still that sympathetic character. He's been brought back to life and she gives him his signature sunglasses and says yep. there they're like that's one side effect there will be others and he's like what do you want from me and she doesn't answer and then like fade to black and yeah. uh, and then the other money.
0: the other thing i thought um you know um and, and they make you know this is sort of like an allusion to it when they do have um have Leon and Claire sort of watching the video of some of the experiments and all of that. <laughs> oh,
1: those twins um, are going to show up at some point.
0: Yeah, of course. I thought they were. I didn't think they were going to show up here. I figured it would be for a sequel. But um, you know, I again, this is a callback um, to other things. So you know, they're they're laying the ground for a sequel definitely. And so, and I hope Ada Wong will have a pretty outsized role in that. So that was kind of cool. Um, but. You know, it's it's overall, I had a lot of fun with this, and I think they did, too. It seemed like the cast was having fun anyway.
1: Yeah. Um, weirdly, the critics don't love this film. They got 30 percent from the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 66 mm-hmm. percent from the audience. Uh, it made back what it needed to in the box office by some miracle because it came out in a year when a lot of, not a lot of people were going to the movies it cost twenty five million to make. It made thirty one, and um, well, H- a-, H a and I just uh, put a little more money into that bucket too, because the only way to watch this right now is <laughs> to is to buy, buy it. it on Amazon Prime or YouTube or something. Uh, and so I'm now the proud owner of this film. <laughs> uh, but honestly, I'm not. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to hate it for it. It was. Uh, it it was worth it. It was worth the price of admission for me. I don't know how, if you feel the same way.
0: I wasn't psyched to spend this much on it, but I thought it was successful. And I don't know, maybe it's because I like maybe it's because you and I did like the game and the callbacks to the game and and appreciated what they were doing here. But even if that, you know, I was trying to think if if this stuff, um, if you were to separate it out and even if you didn't know about all the sort of Easter eggs with the game, I still think it would be successful um it's i mean it's not like it is a little bit gamey feeling like and that's i think by design obviously but i think you can watch this and not know anything about the resident evil franchise and enjoy this and i think that they did a good job so i'm not quite sure why the the reviews are so negative um but i'll admit maybe i'm biased because this calls back to the late 90s which is like (laughs) my our heyday (laughs) in terms of like (laughs) graduate you know how we how we were in college and whatever and this was like a big part of the zeitgeist or at least it was in my Mm -hmm. dorm room yeah um but this you know i but i still feel like if you take all that stuff out this is i thought it was successful i thought it was fun and honestly i thought it was a little less choppy than the original film uh the original effort at this so i don't know I, i I think I'm fine with the price of admission, given that we watched it so quickly after its release. And it's all, you know, that's what they got to do to make their their money back, which I think is fine. Um, but I would, you know, if you're a horror film fan, I think this was fun. Hell, um, I mean,
1: it's it's basically just the first 45 minutes of this movie is is enough for if you're a horror fan. Yeah. Uh, hang out, hang out in there for a while. It, it does lose a little bit of that toward the end. But yeah. Um, you know, by that point you're, you're kind of on rails. And if you know the story, you know where you're going. So.
0: Right. So, um. so anyway, that's, I think that's about all I have to say about this, but um, uh, what do we, what are we going to talk about next week? I'm kind of excited because I think I know what it's going to be.
1: Well, next week we're going to be getting together the, it's the weekend of the 28th and anybody who's been listening to our podcast or paying attention to what's coming out on Netflix knows that's when all of us are dead drops Uh, Now, Mm -hmm. H.A. and I had a pleasant discovery, uh, which is that, hey, this is not a movie. This is actually a series. I had no idea uh, from the trailer or I guess, you know, maybe I'm not reading good. But, yeah, Mm -hmm. there's going to be multiple episodes of this. And so we're going to start digging into it next week.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty excited to to dive in. So this will be fun. Um, So um, if you have thoughts about. Welcome, resident evil welcome to raccoon city please drop us a line send us an email reanimatedpodcast.gmail.com reanimated, re-animated pcast on the twitters or you can just leave a note on our uh, page uh, reanimatedpodcast.com
1: uh, next time so thanks for listening
0: yep thank you ciao all
1: right Bye bye